I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, it's time for a countdown. I'm Jeff Braun. 2019 is more than half over, so we thought let's look at some of our favorite shows of the year so far. And one show this year literally changed my life a little bit. Tidying up with Marie Kondo, the hit Netflix show about people who live in messy homes being taught how to get their stuff together. We have too much stuff. It's official. It's so hard to let it go. I don't want to just, you know, dump it. I want to be thoughtful about it. Choose item without spark joy for you. Spark joy. It's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. We're on board. We want to change. I just want it to be strong enough to change me. I can let it go. Arigato. I am going to figure out what sparks joy in my life. I can't believe you can touch the carpet. New day, new joy. Thank you for being here for us and wanting to help us. I hope you know how much this means to me. Here we go. On the show, Marie Kondo, a world-famous tidying expert and author, visits the homes of people who live in a big mess and shows them how to get their homes back. They're mostly dirty hoarders, but you don't have to be one to find some very helpful tips in this show. I was planning to embark on this big spring cleaning, had heard about the show and decided to watch a couple of episodes to get myself amped up, and it really worked. Kondo is ruthless in some regards, and I tapped into that and got rid of a lot of the junk that I just don't use. I'm not a hoarder by any means, but I did have a lot of clothes and books that were simply never going to be needed again in my life, so they got donated. I also adopted her very weird folding technique for my underwear, Brett, you'll be pleased to know. And now when I get a pair of Gitch, I don't get the anxiety I used to get when looking into a chaotic dresser drawer because I never used to fold anything. Uh, so my place has never looked better, and it's all thanks to TV. Yeah, TV is the best. Woo! Next up for me is the fourth and final season of the th- just an absolutely bonkers martial arts fantasy show on AMC called Into the Badlands. There are only two sides to the coming war. The blessed and the damned. Behold my new Asper. That chamber will only bring death. A fight is coming fate of humanity hangs in the balance. Technically, this was the second half of season three. I don't know why they don't just call it season four when there's a year between the two, but whatever. That third slash fourth season debuted March 24th this year, although I didn't start watching it until after it was already done in late June. And now I am very sad that it's not coming back. Into the Badlands is set roughly 500 years into the future after a war that left our world in ruins. Some things like electricity and motor vehicles are still around, but not heavily used. No one has guns, but everyone has cool costumes and amazing martial arts skills. Oh, and some people are known as dark ones. Their eyes go black, and they become super strong killing machines. It's a crazy show with, as The Rock would say, the most electrifying action I've ever seen on television. Amazing martial arts, gorgeous and colorful costumes. It is a visual feast with just such a bizarro, fun plot that had me hooked from the start. Survivor is usually terrific, and the latest season did have a ton of exciting moments. First bits of rope starting to burn. It's over. Chris has earned his way into the final three in a historic move, taking on Devons. Straight up showdown. 
Survivor was a bit of a double-edged sword this spring. I loved the journey, but I did absolutely despise the ending. The season was called Edge of Extinction, and the hook was this. After a player was voted out of the tribe, they were shunted out to the Edge of Extinction, this third beach where they had to live with the belief that at some point there would be a competition to get back into the game. They could also choose to exit the game entirely, which a couple of people did. Halfway through, the Edgers competed in a challenge, and the winner, the very popular Devins, was put back into the game with all the other players. Then he went on this tear, an underdog whom everyone loved, and he kept finding idols and other ways of staying alive in the game. It got all the way to the finale episode, and then he lost that challenge. We heard there at the same time another challenger was held, another challenge was held rather, and another extinctioner got back into the game at the final five or six, which was way too late. And it was this guy Chris, whose name I actually forgot until I found that fire making clip. He went to the final, even though he was one of the first people voted out, and then he won because he spent all this time on Extinction Island making friends with the jury and didn't have to do any gameplay for about 36 of the 39 days of the season. That was ridiculous, and it marred what was an otherwise terrific season. So they had 12 fun weeks and one really bad week at the end. This next one is kind of a cheat for me because it's only one episode that I'm focusing on. It's from Season 5 of Black Mirror. The app says that we need to do it within an hour. It's peak fertility. This ate so much, I don't know if I can. I'll always love Want to know where I'm going after I leave here? Mariela. As the sea. You know the thing about you. Sometimes you just sort of go away. I love you till then. There's something going on. Something going on. That's what I said. Not one minute more. Nothing is going on. So this latest season of Black Mirror, only three episodes, launched on June 5th on Netflix. It's described as follows, Black Mirror, featuring standalone dramas, sharp, suspenseful, satirical tales that explore techno-paranoia. Debuted a few years ago in the UK and eventually made its way over here. The episode that I loved is one of my favorite episodes of the series and one of the best things I've watched this year, period. It's the first episode of the season called Striking Vipers. The cast is led by Anthony Mackie, who plays Danny. And it starts off when he's in his 20s. He lives with his girlfriend and his best friend. They're playing this video game. It's a Street Fighter kind of video game called Striking Vipers. Fast forward 11 years. Danny has settled into a nice suburban life. Already has one kid with his wife. They're trying for another. But he's bored. Carl, his buddy, lives downtown and is styling all the ladies. But he's bored too. So for Danny's birthday, Carl buys him the latest edition of Striking Vipers. And it comes with this virtual reality doodad that sticks to your head and lets you enter the game. You get to be your character and be in the fight. Where it goes from there, though, was entirely unexpected. It was one of the most beautiful episodes of television I think I've ever watched from the way that it's shot and the music that is used. It's just lovely and emotional, and it's so thought-provoking overall in a good way, not like a nitpicky way where you kind of wonder, like, well, why did they do that? But in a way that forces you to not just digest what you've just watched, but also how it relates to your own life, and then human nature as a whole. Utterly fascinating. There was a great Netflix limited series this spring based on the true story of the Central Park jogger case from 1989 called When They See Us. Please! Stop right there! Don't resist! Do not resist! (laughs) 
let's get an army of blue up in Harlem. You go into those projects and you stop every little thug you see. You bring in every kid who was in the park last night. It's from director Ava DuVernay, who made uh, Selma. It stars Jarrell Jerome. He was in Moonlight. John Leguizamo, Michael Kenneth Williams, Vera Farmiga, Femke Jansen, Joshua Jackson, and Felicity Huffman. That's quite a cast. And those are the recognizable actors. The main actors, though, are these unknown kid actors who play the Central Park Five. And then there's another group of actors who play the grown-up version of these kids. The story, if you're unfamiliar, is in April 1989, a woman was jogging through Central Park in New York City one night and was badly attacked. It was a vicious attack and rape that left her in a coma for a while and left her with life-altering injuries. It was some brutal stuff. At the time of the attack, there had been a large group of teenage boys from Harlem running through the park, harassing strangers, some of them behaving worse than others. Police rounded them up, charged five of them in the attack on the jogger, even though all the evidence pointed to the boys being in a different part of the park at the time. Five of them were charged with the rape anyways, convicted of the crime, and did a lot of time in jail and eventually were exonerated. It's only four episodes. I didn't binge it, though, because a lot of it was so infuriating to watch because these boys' lives are so unnecessarily destroyed for no reason other than plain and simple racism. It was powerful stuff. I do recommend it, but again, it's not an easy watch. Yeah, I watched the first episode and I was so mad. And I've, I've meant to go back to it, but yeah. I, I just found that first episode so emotionally difficult. And that that's a good thing. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I can't seem to motivate myself to go back and it's finish hard, it. It's hard to want to watch something like that. But I do want to watch it and I want to watch the, uh, the special as well that they did with. Oprah. Did you watch that? I did not. I was unaware of that special. Yeah, I think it's on... uh so right there at the end of the... F- I think Because she produced the show, too. So. Yeah, I think if you just look look it up on Netflix, it's there. Um, but uh, up next, another Netflix show, one that I predicted would make my top ten for the year. So far, it's there. I'll tell you what it is next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We're looking at our favorite shows of... 2019 so far on TV. And next up for me is a show that debuted on Netflix back on January 11th. And I said back then that it was an early contender for top 10 for the year. So far, it's holding its spot. It's a British comedy called Sex Education. Oh, I wish my mom was a sex guru. So, why don't you start by telling me your earliest memory of your scrotum? Trust me, you don't. I'm worried about you, man. Everybody's either thinking about shagging, about to shag, or actually shagging. The students at this school need your help, and we need their money. I'll deal with the business end of things, and you can do the therapy. Therapy? Yeah, sex therapy. Like your mum. Ah, sex therapist. This could be awesome. It could be popular. First thing worth pointing out, it's kind of weird because it's set in England... But it's shot in Wales, and it feels more like an American show. Like, for example, some students are seen throwing around an American football. That was apparently by design. They wanted it to give they wanted to give it a more American feel, so their international programming would be more appealing to Americans. Not sure how I feel about that, because I like being exposed to programming from elsewhere in the world, because it is different. However, it's still very much a British show with her typical sharp and witty dialogue. So have no fear, it's still awesome. And as you heard, it's about an awkward kid whose mom is a sex therapist. The mom is Gillian Anderson, Agent Scully from the X-Files. The kid, Otis, Asa Butterfield. They're both excellent as mother and son, and it's got a beautiful setting. Otis and his mom live in this gorgeous house on a hillside surrounded by trees. It's super funny, entirely relatable, tackles all sorts of diversity 
diversity issues. You care about the characters. It is great. Can't wait for whenever season two makes its debut. Back for one last ride this year, the modern Sherlock Holmes in New York crime procedural, Elementary. Explain the hair. What? I know a woman looking to shake things up when I see one. That's predicted. You two understand the criminal mind. Testing our skills is unnecessary. You aren't happy in London. Don't shoot the suspect. Just because I'm American does not mean that I love guns. Why are you being so nice to me? Not always nice to you. Where else to tackle a case so important? Some place where there's a working toilet? Voila. Elementary begins May 23rd. And it's been on for a few episodes already. They did start in London, like they said in the clip there, but it's also in New York. It's sort of back and forth. And it's the seventh and final season. It's only 13 episodes in total. And that'll be it. Another hole in our TV schedule. A big year for shows ending. We've got at least three more to talk about before the hour's up. Johnny Lee Miller as Sherlock and Lucy Lewis Watson are such a great team. And even though the crimes of the week are usually interestingly interesting enough, it is their chemistry and all the surrounding story that's kept me coming back all these years. So one last ride this summer with elementary i'll miss it but i never really complain when a show leaves after six or seven seasons that's usually plenty next up for me is a canadian show called cardinal two victims one killer and one survivor he's been following me we have a situation i want you to take the lead he's not ready hey john What kind of person writes and sends that kind of card? You think this person has something to do with Catherine's death? John, where does it end? I did everything I could to help her. Did you? So this is what you are now. The most dangerous thing in the world. A broken man with power. Stop! Season 3 of Cardinal debuted January 24th. This series is based on the John Cardinal books by Giles Blunt about a detective in a small town in Ontario. It's a very dark murder mystery show with amazing cinematography. It is gripping television. The first season was amazing. The second season was good, but kind of weird. The third season was stronger than the second, and they're all only six episodes each and are available on demand, so you should be able to get caught up no problem. It's a little grisly at times, and as I said, it is very dark, often disturbing, and entirely not happy. But if you're into serious crime shows, check out Cardinal. Adventures in the afterworld with a gang of dead misfits trying to get into heaven. The Good Place is about as good as a sitcom can be. How is it possible that all these things happened to us but no time passed on Earth? Did you go back in time to save us? Uh, I didn't have to because of Jeremy Barramy. This is the timeline in the afterlife. Happens to kind of look like the name Jeremy Barramy in cursive English, so that's what we call it. Sorry, I'm... My brain is melting. How... Can events happen before the ones that happened before? Just the way it works. It's, it's Jeremy Barramy. I don't know what to tell you. That's the easiest way to describe it. Okay, but um, what the hell is this? The dot over the eye. The hell is that? Okay, um, how do I explain this concisely? This is Tuesdays and also July. And sometimes it's never. That's true. Occasionally, that moment on the Barami timeline is the time moment when nothing never occurs. So, you get it. This broke me. Uh, the dot over the eye. That broke me. I'm, 
I'm done. Kristen Bell and Ted Danson star in The Good Place. Although it is an ensemble comedy and there are no weak links, besides being very funny, the genius of the show is that it keeps making these huge plot changes and it keeps working. Most shows would simply crumble if they tried to stray from their original form, but The Good Place knows what it's doing. And in fact, even as I say that, it really doesn't feel like it's blowing itself up every year. It really makes sense in hindsight the way it's all gone along. Even though at the time it seems like, wow, what are they doing? But the next season will be the last because creator Mike Schur is the best in the biz and he knows when to pull the cord before a show wears out its welcome or loses its footing. Yeah, The Good Place has been such a spectacular show. That's uh, one that we both share in our favorites, our perennial favorites, because this particular comedy is like nothing there is on television. It's so imaginative and creative and... Yeah, it's just downright hilarious, and indeed, it kind of reinvents itself every year. So I salute their bravery as well oh, yeah. to be able to That's just up. say, we're going to go in a different direction this year, and we're going to do it again. Swinging for the fences is not something most TV shows like to do. And up next, it's another perennial Couch Potatoes favorite. We'll tell you what that is in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and we're counting down our favorite shows of the year so far. Year's only half over, but we've already seen a lot of stuff that we liked, and another one that's on both our lists this year, as it is, I would say, every year that since it started, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Guys, guys, guys. Scully has a mason jar full of lemonade. Five minutes ago, Hitchcock introduced me to his new goldfish who lives in... <gasps> An identical mason jar? Will Hitchcock put fish food in Scully's lemonade, or will Scully drink Hitchcock's goldfish? Now, you would think... Hitchcock does drink his own fish. What? No! To the nine-nine! Is this really happening? This is happening. Whoa! Noise. Free candy! Brooklyn Nine-Nine makes the leap to NBC January 10th. It's been on for six years now, and I will say that uh, the word noise has fully and entirely entered my vocabulary. I say it at least once a day, usually many more. I don't think I've said the word nice uh, outside of a professional setting in years. Nerd. Yeah, I know. Uh, Now, Brooklyn Nine-Nine almost died in 2018 when it was canceled by Fox, but NBC came to the rescue, and we got another great season out of the detectives at the 99th Precinct. That was season six. It'll be back for a seventh season, and I have no problem if they keep going for a couple of more years, if they can keep up the quality. They've already married off the main characters, but it hasn't had a negative effect on the show. That's always dicey when shows start doing that. A baby would change things up, as it is a workplace comedy, and most police stations don't really have babies hanging around. But who knows what lies in store for Peralta and Santiago. Andre Brower's Captain Holt, of course, gets the biggest laughs most weeks with his humorless, super dry delivery. It's been six seasons and it still hasn't gotten old. I know Brower already has a very full award shell from dramatic work years ago. He needs to start winning more awards for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Has he even been nominated? I think maybe once. Uh, yeah, I just I was watching a couple of episodes the other day and indeed it is always Captain Holt. That makes me laugh the hardest i start laughing and then i can't i i can't hear what's said afterward because i'm still laughing at what he says so i have to back it up and then i end up laughing harder so it just ends up being this kind of vicious cycle yeah. where i watch captain holt say the same thing like five times in a row i've noted that that not one episode of brooklyn 99 has gone by without me having to rewind a little bit through i was like oh no, gotta hear that again because that's insane <laughs> next up season two of a show from iceland called trapped Why do you 
Yes, it's from Iceland, and it is in Icelandic mostly. There is some English. It landed on Netflix in May. Finally got around to watching it in June. The first season was from 2015. I actually didn't see that until 2017. It's a murder mystery set in a tiny town in Iceland, and it is gorgeous with amazing complexity that goes well beyond the mystery. That season was sensational television, and I recommended it pretty much to everyone I could. And whenever they would come around and say, Yeah, man, I watched it, and it was great! That's if you can tolerate subtitles. I tried to get my girlfriend to watch it, season one, and as soon as she saw its subtitles, she checked out. So I checked out on her, lol! I'm just kidding, I didn't dump my girlfriend for that. But I should have. Season two, once again, is a mystery, but it manages to include... So many different themes, you know, they work in homophobia and climate change, terrorism, nationalism, dysfunctional families, economic problems, and more, and it all works. It serves the story. None of it is soapbox kind of stuff. It just works. It's so good. So again, I make my recommendation to watch now seasons one and two of Trapped on Netflix. I've started watching it. I'm still only about or a third of the way through the first season, almost halfway through. I'm taking it slowly, and I'm enjoying it immensely. It is a really good show. Right on, man. Glad to hear that you're still with it. HBO's Veep has been one of the best comedies on TV for years now, and it ended this spring for good. The Veep finale was pretty terrific. It was funny, as you would expect. It was also relentlessly unsentimental in saying goodbye to Julia Louis-Dreyfus's Selena Meyer. If you enjoyed the show, you must have liked that finale. There was a Jonah name-calling pylon that made me have to hit pause because I was laughing so hard. That was the thing they did best. And like a lot of shows do, Veep did this time jump at the very end where they sort of track check in with everybody, and it went all the way all the way, all the way until they got to Meyer's actual death and then uh, the coverage of her funeral, which was classic Veep. We will have more coverage of the funeral of President Selena Meyer. But first, as someone who served with President Meyer for over two decades, I feel I'd be remiss if I did not offer my own heartfelt eulogy to a president who many feel was very underrated and deserved... I'm sorry, breaking news, I've just been told that four-time Academy Award-winning actor Tom Hanks has died at the age of 88. The star of such Hollywood films as Big, Forrest Gump, Philadelphia, and Philadelphia 2 passed away in his Bel Air home after a long illness surrounded by his loving family. Let's take a look at the storied career of Tom Hanks, American icon. That Tom Hanks joke is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It has nothing to do with the plot or story, Brett. I know you haven't seen the show yet. Uh, in the pilot, there was a joke of, uh, about hoping that Tom Hanks would die because it would overshadow whatever stupid thing Meyer had just done. So it finally happened, and it ended up overshadowing her funeral way in the future. It's during the end credits that this stuff all happened. It was a wonderful series, uh, deserving of all its recognition, and I'm going to miss it immensely. All right, I, I, I hope to get on that one day. I know that it's HBO, so the seasons are short and it's yeah. a comedy, so really I could probably rip through a season in a couple of days, no problem. Yeah, I'll and, get you, on and it. it goes by so fast you don't even know it because it's very fast-paced. Now, there have been a lot of big finales this year. A Big Bang Theories, I think, was one of the best. Uh, I can't believe the show made me cry, but it did with Sheldon giving this heartwarming speech at the end as the show zeroed in on the big question that hung over its head for all these years. How could people be friends with someone like Sheldon who was so rude? dismissive, demanding, and unempathetic all the time? Well, Sheldon was finally confronted with that question himself, and his speech as he was ex uh, accepting a big prize was an amazing moment. I have been encouraged, sustained, inspired, and tolerated 
not only by my wife, but by the greatest group of friends anyone ever had. Dr. Rajesh Kuthapali, Dr. Bernadette Rostenkowski Wallowitz, astronaut Howard Wallowitz, and my two dearest friends in the world, Penny Hofstadter and Dr. Leonard Hofstadter. I apologize if I haven't been the friend you deserve, but I want you to know, in my way, I love you all. It was very heartwarming after 10 plus years and then the final shot was fitting sitcoms about groups of friends or hangout shows and there was just this shot of the gang hanging out eating Chinese food like they so often did over the years as an acoustic version of the theme song from the Bare Naked Ladies played. I kind of want to go back and watch that finale now. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, Big Bang Theory was never one of my favorites, but whenever it was on, if I happened to be you know around someone who was watching it, like I go to my dad's, yep. he liked to watch it, I would enjoy it. So yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad it's gone though. That was, it was <laughs> yeah, it was there for so long. So <laughs> Next up, season two of a show that was never meant to have a season two, Big Little Lies. My son is dead. I want to know what happened that night. I'm very tempted to ask you, but I... I don't think I would get the truth, would I? Season 1 debuted in 2017, based on the book from 2014. It starred Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Shailene Woodley, Laura Dern, and Zoe Kravitz as the five main women involved. Excellent supporting cast as well, including Adam Scott and Alexander Skarsgård. It's a murder mystery that first season, someone has died. We spend the entire season leading up to finding out who died and who done it. It's set in a beautiful California community, and it runs the gauntlet of emotions. It's often hilarious. It's often sad, serious, even horrifying. It's just truly amazing television, and it picked up boatloads of awards. So they decided to do a second season, and the author of the first book, Leanne Moriarty, wrote a novella just for this, so they had a story to use as a springboard. Well, how do you improve upon perfection and add to that already amazing star-studded cast? You bring in the queen, Meryl Streep. She plays the mother of one of the characters from season one, and she is a thorn in everyone's side. I just hate, I hate her character. Jeff, do you hate her too? I do hate her character, Uh, but you can't not watch her. And well, it's thanks to the brilliant performance that she brings. All of the women in this show are spectacular. They're all doing career best work. It's just so good. Season two, by the way, started June 9th. You can get the episodes that you've missed on demand and it will wrap up July 21st. Up next, a show that when Jeff sent me his list of top 10, I had never even heard of this one. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Wrapping up our 2019 favorite TV shows so far edition. And uh, next on my list is a show called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. And if you have less than two hours, but you want to watch a whole season of something and you like weird comedy, this is the show for you. Uh, It's called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. It's a sketch comedy show, a single camera, no audience, like the Key and Peele sketches. Robinson was a Saturday Night Live writer, and the thing I heard is that these sketches were rejected by Saturday Night Live for being too weird. So he got Netflix to give him a few dollars, and he put them out there. There are six episodes. They're each 17 minutes long for a grand total of one hour, 42 minutes. And it is side-splitting 
insanely funny. Uh, it's hit pause while you regain your composure funny, and it's also kind of insane very out there. Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? You bought a house that was not disclosed to you that there was a termite infestation in the walls and in the moldings, so you have to take it upon yourself to call your own termite extermination company, but when the guys show up, they immediately ask if they can use your bathroom. Then for over two hours, they take turns going in and out of there, taking huge mud pies and over flushing. Then they go in there together and you hear a bunch of scrounging around and then you hear a bunch of yelling and one of them is standing in the bathroom doorway shouting at you and his friend's foot stuck in the toilet and he says, help him, you gotta help him. And when you go in there to help him, he just pulls it out easily and laughs because his foot wasn't stuck. It wasn't stuck at all, he was just faking it. Has that ever happened to you? That was a commercial for a law firm, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> uh, and it was, I cut a minute out of it. It went on and on and on and on. Honestly, I haven't laughed this hard at a show in a good long while. A lot of the sketches involve an unlikable character committing a very minor uh, social gaffe or calling out a perceived slight and then taking it too far beyond funny to just plain crazy. In short, it's sort of the work of a demented genius. And Netflix has picked it up for a second season. Watch it. It's super short. So if you don't like it, it's not like it's costing you anything. Well, it'll cost me an hour and 42 minutes there, Jeff. (laughs) You'll figure out within 10 minutes if you like it or not. It's a good year for HBO. Another one from the network. Next up for me is a five-episode miniseries called Chernobyl. You are dealing with something that has never occurred on this planet before. Cut the phone lines. Contain the spread of misinformation. What will happen to our boys? The pain is unimaginable. In three days to three weeks, you're dead. It debuted May 6th. I wasn't going to watch it, but I kept bumping into people who were watching it. So I said, all right, I'll check it out. And that was a great decision. It's about the 1986 Chernobyl nuclear power plant explosion in Ukraine. It's one of the worst man-made catastrophes in history. The show outlines how it happened and details the sacrifices made to save Europe from the fallout of that disaster. And what you see is just a staggering failure by the men involved. It's awful to know how many people have gotten sick how many people died because they weren't evacuated on time by these fools it just it's outrageous and the show makes you feel that raw emotion and it is so good because it doesn't over sensationalize everything it just shows you what happened and it's truly amazing so you should check it out it's available on demand also worth pointing out it's the highest rated show on imdb with a 9.5 just ahead of planet earth 2 and band of brothers Ooh, my uh, the number one thing on my list so far in 2019 is season three of true detective well detective hayes could you tell us your timeline of events two kids supposed to be home by 5 30 never arrived Almost had a clean night, man. My job has no certainty. My whole brain's a bunch of missing pieces. Whatever you think you did or didn't do, you don't deserve to suffer. I want to know the whole story. 
I loved it. Some people complained the ending was a letdown, but I really enjoyed it. And it was kind of weird because Season 2 was such a letdown for everybody, and I didn't really think this would be as impressive as Season 1, so I wasn't really sure where to even set the bar. It wasn't too high. I think a rewatch of that first season would be interesting. We hold it in such high regard because we weren't expecting it at the time. The real genius wasn't necessarily even the story, but the way in which it was told, the three timelines of True Detective and how we'd learn one thing in one and how it would affect what we saw in the others. An amazing job threading the plot and character beats through all of that. A lot of the times you sort of had to rely on the actor's haircuts to know when you were. Uh, it could have so easily been a confusing mess, but it just wasn't. It just worked. Stephen Dorff uh, plays one of the cops. He was a revelation. I don't even know what I've seen him in before. I don't think much. Maybe nothing, but I never expected he was be as good as he was here. And then Mahershala Ali is the main guy. He's always Mahershala Ali. We've come to expect great work from him every time out. I've only seen him in four things. Moonlight, Green Book, Luke Cage, and this. And I mean, he's won Oscars in two of those things. Yeah, that's true. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Judgment Night? Uh, no. Okay, how about Blade with Wesley nope. Snipes? Okay. These are all Dorf classics, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> that, those are the only two movies I can think of at the top of my head with Stephen Dorf. Lost but he's, Boys? No, I don't think he was yeah. in that one. He's been in lots of stuff. He played a vampire in Blade, so you're on the right track okay. there. Finally, my favorite show of 2019 so far, and some will likely not agree with me on this. We must fight together now, or die. Our enemy doesn't tire. Doesn't stop. They're coming. HBO's Game of Thrones, a controversial choice perhaps, because a lot of people hated it and a lot of people are mad, but I loved this season. Yeah, I wish it had more of this and more of that. I wish, I wish, I wish. Don't we always wish for more from shows that we love? No, it wasn't perfect, but it was fun. And never have I read more stuff about a show than I did Game of Thrones. I was just obsessed. I love it. I will hopefully soon watch the entire series again. And hopefully George R. R. Martin gets around to finishing those books so I can dive into those because I don't want to start reading the books until I know they are finished or are going to be finished and published. we got 30 seconds left. What are you looking forward to still to come this year? I am The one I'm looking the most forward to is The Watchmen show from Damon Lindelhoff who co-created two of my favorite shows of all time. The Leftovers and Lost, what he does with the Watchmen comic book. I can't wait to see that. And that's going to be on HBO. So indeed, yeah, that's lots of great shows so far on HBO and still a lot more great ones to come. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CouchPotato68. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. 